It's great to be with you. We have uh, at Providence Church embarked on a study of the book of Luke. And uh, Luke is one of the gospels in the New Testament. So in the Bible, there's a, a first section called the Old Testament, which uh, has the story of creation and really gives the, the story of the lineage of God's people and prophecies that are to, to be fulfilled in the second half of the Bible called the New Testament. And the New Testament starts with four books that, again, we call gospels. It means good news. And those books are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so our church for the next, uh, we won't even worry with how long it's going to take us. We, that stressed some people out, uh, is for the next little bit, we're just going to go verse by verse through uh, the book of Luke. I did want you to know we have these books. It's just the, it's just the gospel of Luke. And on one side, it has um, the scriptures and another place side where you could take notes or journal or bring it to, on Sunday. A lot of people are bringing them on Sundays and, and writing. So we have a bunch more of these. If you uh, need one, they're out at the connect area right outside these doors or just to the right. We have some setting, setting out there or it's, it's even allowed if maybe you got one of these and you don't know where it is because that's what I had to do. So you can grab, you can grab. We want you to have, have the story in your hands. Um, so this morning, we're starting with Luke chapter two, verses 41 through 52. At the conclusion of the reading, I'm gonna ask you to say with me, thanks be to God, because we're just thankful God would speak to us this way. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And when Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search? Jesus asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with all the people. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. God loves lost things. He loves lost things, which doesn't mean God loves that things get lost. It just means the heart of God is always turned towards the least and the last and lost. God's in the recovery business, bringing things back. It's just what he does. It's just who he is. So I wanted to ask you a few questions to start our year together. What do you need to be recovered in your life? What parts of you feel lost? And an important one, I think, is what people do you feel in danger of losing? This year at Providence, we're going to believe together that God is going to seek out the lost and save them. That's just what he does. In fact, every year here we, have a, we do a thing at the first Sunday of January, we have a verse for the year. And it becomes something meaningful to us as the year goes on, sometimes more, more uh, years than, than others. And our verse for this year is from the book of Luke, chapter 19, and it says, for the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. 
We're going to pray for lost things to be found. We're going to pray for lost people to be rescued. We're going to pray for lost parts of our hearts to be recovered. Over the last few years, at least uh, more than any other time in my life, there just seem to be things that get pushed down and tamped down and put uh, covered up. And we're going to pray, uh, we're going to join God in finding lost things. This is the year of salvation. This year. Uh, Several years ago, and when you get my age, you can say several years ago, and it can mean like two years ago or a million years ago. It's just like several, several years ago, we were down in Destin, Florida for our summer vacation. Uh, and when we go to vacation down there, we join all of you. So when we go to vacation, we, uh, we see you. And I'll be, out, you know, I'll be out and people will be like, hey, I didn't recognize you, Pastor Jacob. You got a hat on and a mustache. And I'm like, I know. Uh, <laughs> but it's wonderful, to, it's wonderful to see you there. And uh, several years ago, we were out at a restaurant for dinner and we ran into a family from church, a family we love. And they, we were just chatting with them and they said that they had bought these passes to the water park there in Destin, it's called Big Kahunas. And they said, when we bought this pass, uh, it actually gave us a free pass for another family. And they said, would you guys wanna join us at Big Kahunas Water Park tomorrow? And we thought about it for like two seconds and we're like, yes. Uh, our kids were the perfect age, you know, they were little, you know, to go to a, a water park. So we meet them the next morning at Big Kahunas and we're waiting in line to get in the park. It hasn't opened yet and everybody's lined up there. Like everybody that's coming that day seems to be in the parking lot. They open up the door or the turnstiles, you know, and we're walking through. And once you get through, everybody started moving quickly. They started moving fast. And I was like, you know, we're like holding our girls' hands. I don't, and, and I'm like, where are we going? You know, everyone's moving fast. And then I realized what's happening is everyone is trying to get to a chair to claim a chair. It's something that happens at a water park. What you do is you take your towel and you put it on the chair. And if you put your towel on the chair, that's your chair. And so we needed to claim our 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 chairs, we weren't ever gonna sit in a chair. No one does. Uh, we just, we were just saying, this is our spot. This is our spot for the day. There's way, there's way more people than there are chairs. Uh, do you guys understand what I'm talking about? And so we're moving fast and the chairs are filling up. We're getting frustrated, frantic. And finally we get on the whole other side of the park and we claim literally nine chairs for the nine of us. We're never gonna sit in them, you know? And we put that down and we, it felt sort of celebratory. You know, we, I'm fist bumping with the guy and uh, just kind of taking a deep breath. We're like, we got the chairs and our kids slip off. They're going to like a nearby slide. And I mean, they haven't been gone like a minute and we realized like, oh, our kids just walked away. Our kids were not big Kahuna water park, be by themselves age, right? They were small. They were, you know, it's like, I think my older girls were like 10 and eight or something like that. And so we got, we got to find these kids. We're looking around and um, I can't find them, you know, and five minutes when your kid is lost feels like 50 minutes, you know. And so finally I look up and there's this big long line to a slide. It's stairs, you know, like steep stairs to a slide. And I can see my daughter, Mary, and I can see the two boys uh, of the other family that were there with, but I can't see Lydia. So I holler up to them. One of the boys in the back, I holler up and I get his attention. I was like, hey, hey man. And he, he sees me. I said, is Lydia with y'all? And he goes, oh yeah, Lydia's with us. And I'm so relieved, right? I take a deep breath and I start to turn. I take like two steps and I get this, I just get this weird question in my mind and I, I holler back up and I said, do you know which one Lydia is? <laughs> and he says, no, sir. <laughs> you know? And so I can see him. I can see all three of them and I can't see Lydia. And that's when we knew she was lost at Big Kahuna's Water Park seven years old or something. And so Rachel 
you know, we tell the lifeguards, Rachel goes with a security person, they've got walkie-talkies, we're walking around, we're trying to locate, I mean, it feels terrible. They have to do this code, you know, where they shut down the water park because they can't find the kid. And I'm standing with a security guy at the front of the park where those turnstiles are, and they've locked them up. Nobody's, nobody's leaving the park, and nobody's coming in. And then eventually, I mean, it was probably five minutes, right? I hear over the walkie-talkies, we got her. And little Lydia had gone to a lifeguard and said, I'm lost. And they called, and we went all the way back over there where our chairs were, and we had this reunion, right? It's an amazing reunion when you can um, think you've lost the most precious thing to you. It's like in that moment, I didn't go over water park safety or where I had let her down. or We just, you know, you just savor the lost thing being found. Jesus said that he came to seek and save the lost. And I want you to circle the verse, Luke 19.10. I want you to memorize it. It's easy. I really think we could all memorize it. The son of man came to seek and save the lost those who are lost. The finding of lost things is Jesus' thing. His words, not mine. So keep in mind that Luke has made lost things central to his telling of the story. In fact, uh, I've asked you to be aware of four signs through the book of Luke. I wanna review them with you again. These are just things that you'll see all the way through the book and we're gonna be paying attention to them as Luke carefully writes his story about Jesus. And they are lost things. The city of Jerusalem plays the central role. Prediction, there are things prophesied or predicted that are then fulfilled and the predicting and the fulfillment is very important to Luke's telling. And then finally, miracles all throughout the book. To get a better understanding of this, I want us to look at a map of Israel. This is just like a map on the back of a Bible. And you can see up in the north that I've circled Nazareth. And in the south, well not really the south, but in south of Nazareth there is Jerusalem. Nazareth is uh, Mary and Joseph's hometown. And Luke begins his story, just to review, in Jerusalem, in the temple with an old guy named Zechariah. That's where he starts his story. So he's starting in Jerusalem. But very quickly after that, Luke takes us right back up to Nazareth, where Mary encounters an angel named Gabriel who tells her she's gonna be carrying the son of God and Joseph as well. And so they're up there. And then Mary travels down almost immediately to Jerusalem to where Zachariah and Elizabeth live. She visits her cousin and they have this encounter. But very soon after she's been in Jerusalem, she goes back to Nazareth. And Mary and Joseph are in Nazareth until it comes time for the baby to be born and there's a census and guess where they go? Back down towards Jerusalem, to Bethlehem, which is right next to Jerusalem. But after the birth of Jesus, Mary and Joseph actually go into the temple. We looked at it last week with Simeon and Anna. They are in Jerusalem. Uh, they take a quick detour at that point to Egypt because they are uh, become refugees. Uh, baby boys are in danger. But after they've been, I know this is a lot, but after they've been in Egypt, they go back to Nazareth. That's where they live. And then, um, so if you're keeping track, that's four times in the first two chapters that we've done this Nazareth to Jerusalem and back journey. And then verse 41 says, Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. Luke's taking us back to Jerusalem, back to the temple. It's our third time in the temple. It's our fifth time in Jerusalem. It's the only story that we have of Jesus' childhood. Not the only story in Luke about Jesus' childhood, but the only story that we ever hear of Jesus when he's a kid. Uh, I don't, that was a small kid. Uh, <laughs> I was, anyways, um, 
the only story doesn't take place in Nazareth where he spent all of his, his childhood, but it takes place in Jerusalem in the temple. It turns out that lost things are found in Jerusalem. Luke's not a sloppy storyteller. He's very careful and he puts the story of Jesus' childhood in Jerusalem on purpose. And here's the, here's the kicker. In this story, Jesus is the lost thing. Wow. We read, when Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. This is what they did, going to Jerusalem. It's really not a literary device. It's something they did all the time, back and forth, back and forth. They go there to remember the Passover, which is their central story of redemption from, guess where? Egypt. They were brought back out of Egypt into the promised land, just like Mary and Joseph and Jesus were. And it says, after the celebration was over, they started home, guess where? To Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem and his parents didn't miss him at first. Our our Mary and Joseph, of bad parents, they're not bad parents. This is just similar to like when a mom and dad might accidentally leave their kid at church, uh, something like that. And, and so it, what they're thinking is somebody else has Jesus. Jesus is with the family. Jesus rode home with, with somebody else. But when they realized that, that they, I'll read on, because they assumed he was among the other travelers, verse 44, but when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. Is Jesus with you? Did Jesus walk with you? And when they couldn't find him, they went, you're not gonna believe it, back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Our sixth time to travel back to Jerusalem. Guys, the, the, Jerusalem's very important to understanding the story of Jesus. Three days later, verse 46 They finally discover him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. So not five minutes later, like my story, but three days later, his parents have searched for Jesus. I'm sure they went to where they had stayed. I'm sure they went to where they had kind of shopped or hung out. They probably went to where the kids had played and see if Jesus was there. For three days, they're doing this. I bet you, I, I would guess they went around the temple where people hung out, where people uh, congregated, but it wasn't until the third day that they thought, should we go inside the temple? I mean, you don't just go inside the temple. You go inside the temple one time a year, maybe. And they go inside the temple and 12-year-old Jesus is just sitting there as comfortable as a 12-year-old can be. He's asking questions and he's actually giving answers as well. Um, It says, uh, all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and answers. And his parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. So Mary actually does go uh, water park safety on him right in the get-go. That's what a mom does, right? She's like, what in the world, Jesus? I mean, she's careful to tell him, We've been searching for you for three days. She loves him. She's had that in the pit of her stomach for three days. And, and it says, his parents didn't know what to think. If you have ever been a parent, you know there are moments with your kids where you actually don't know what to think. You're like, I don't know what, to, I have no conception of this parenting moment. My mind is blown. Then says they don't know what to think. She says, Jesus, why did you do this to us? And then Jesus says, why'd you need to search? (laughs) Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Many versions, maybe the version that you view the Bible you have says, where Jesus says, "Um, 
didn't you know that I must be about my father's business? It's just a different way of saying it. But Luke 2.50 says, but they didn't understand what he meant. I have two points for you today to think on as we enter the new year, just two. Two things for us to hold on to. The first one will sound kind of odd, and it's this. Nobody has Jesus fully figured out. Not even his parents. It says his parents didn't understand what he meant. They had been visited by Gabriel. They had been told this was the son of God, that their son, and still when he talks, they're sort of like, I'm not getting it. (laughs) I don't understand you, man. And anytime you hear a person or an organization or a preacher or a church or a government, anybody seem to kind of put Jesus in a neat, tidy description, say, you want to figure out Jesus? I can totally figure out for him. I'm just telling you, that's not the way Jesus is described in the Bible. When Jesus encounters people, they are scratching their heads when they're done. (laughs) Um, Jesus did stuff. People can't quite figure it out, even his parents. The second point is this, so that, that's it on the first point. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, the second point is this, Jesus' purpose is his father's business. And what I mean by that is Jesus will also not do the bidding of any person or church or government. He won't do what anybody tells him to do. He has a purpose and it is his father's business. What is his business? You're wondering, what's, what's the father's business? to seek and save the lost. In a story where Jesus gets lost, he shows us what God's purpose is and it's finding lost things. Brilliant. God loves lost things. He doesn't love that things get lost, but he still loves the thing when it's far off. He still loves the thing when it's forgotten. He still loves the thing when everybody else would think there is no hope. It's like the feeling that a parent gets when they can't find their child. You might think, really? God feels the way that a parent feels? And the answer is yes. There are two stories of lost sons in Luke. The first is Jesus in Luke chapter two. The second is in Luke chapter 15, maybe one of Jesus' most famous stories, the story of the lost son. And in both of them, they're trying to get us to feel like, like the water park story, a feeling that every human knows, not just every parent, every human knows the feeling of something very precious being gone. And so I want you to think this morning of the lost things in your life intently. I don't want you to separate the things that are broken in your heart and the things that you think can't come back from your relationship with God. It's what God cares about. That's what the card's about this morning. And you can even begin to write on that if you want to. I want you to think about the people, your sons, your daughters, your son-in-law, your dad, your mom, your grandson, your granddaughter. For you, it may be a marriage that's lost or a feeling in your marriage. It might be a hope for your life. It may be that grief has, has, has made you lose so much And I want you to think about this. Jesus' purpose is his father's business and his father's business is to seek out and save lost ones. How does God feel about the lost things? Like a father who's lost his child. Like you feel when you've lost something. Our God has a heart. This is amazing. Our God has a heart that feels the indescribable feeling of losing your most precious thing. I shut down big kahunas. We locked that sucker down. 
We got on walkie-talkies. Nobody in, nobody out for my kid. You understand? I stood at the turnstiles and I made sure no one left. My eyes scanned the parking lot like I'm some kind of undercover agent who's trained to notice things. I'm not. You know what I am? I'm a father. And there's something in the heart of a father when you don't know where your kid is. I don't know how to explain it. And that's what Luke is trying to show us here. Everybody wants their most precious things safe. And I have learned in following God that nothing can stop the purposes of God. We strain and we stress. I'm like the king of anxiety in Mount Juliet. No one can beat me in it. I'm the best. But it accomplishes very little. But what God wants to accomplish, God accomplishes without fail because he's God. And what Luke's trying to show us is Jesus is God. It's one of the reasons we do the Christmas offering every year because we just know that God loves women in prison, no doubt. And he loves, he loves women when they get out of prison even if they have no place to go. There's no doubt. And he loves, I'm just, I promise, I promise, I promise. He loves kids in Peru, even though we'll probably never go there. And we may have never heard of them. And it may be a forgotten place. Jesus loves all the children. He loves all the little children of the world. And those kids are as important to him as our kids. And so every year the Christmas offering is a huge success. You wanna know why? It's not because of us. It's because it's what God wants. God will accomplish what God wants to accomplish. And it's a no doubter that he cares about women in prison or, or, or children in Peru or hungry people in Mount Juliet or compassionate hands or the Wilson County school system or any of the number of things that we get behind. We just get behind it because God's already in it. And um, I, don't, I don't know, I kind of lost my train of thought. It never ceases to amaze me. The power of God um, exemplified in his son, Jesus, who was born of a woman just outside of Jerusalem. And then when he was 12 years old, he got lost for three days in Jerusalem. And when they found him in the temple up on a mount, Jesus showed them who he really was. And that story, of course, is pointing us towards a moment again in Jerusalem when the people who love Jesus the most will think that he's gone forever. And they'll feel that way for three days. And then when they see him again, they'll realize that what he has been about is his father's business. We can't figure out everything in life. You won't be able to make sense of all the messes in your life, all the losses. I don't want you to look at 2024 as the year you get it all figured out. That won't happen, but you can find your purpose in your father's business. You can make your number one thing this year, joining God in finding lost things. Last week, our last Sunday of the year, we brought cards forward like we're gonna do in a moment. We were praying for the new year and uh, I gathered all those up. I prayed, I tried to pray over all of the, the cards. There was a lot of them. Um, 
that there was a common theme from last week's prayers for the new year. I'll tell you what it was without giving away any confidences. The, clearly, the common theme of, of our folks who are here was, I really want to live my life for God. It actually wasn't just praying for this person or that. It's like people saying, I want my life to be for God. And so the way that we can do that, I'm sure, is by praying in agreement with his purposes. God loves lost things, so you ask for a heart for lost things. God loves lost things. Let's pray for the lost things in our lives. And we can pray with confidence because we know that God wants to accomplish those purposes. And that's how we're going to start our year this year is we're going to um, come and bring our lost things. I want you to put the names of your precious people, the things of your heart. No one is going to read these cards this week, okay? That's between you and God. So take some time and pray for the lost thing. And then with confidence, I want to invite you to bring it to the altar table or to the stage. You can kneel and pray and pray in agreement with God's purpose, which is for lost things to be found. It's given me confidence to start having dreams for the year. I'll share one of them with you. We always have a baptism service in the fall. And so I'm thinking, what's the baptism service in the fall going to look like if all year long we've been praying for our lost sons and daughters? And we know that God wants them to come to him. Um, God's given me a word for this year. It is recovery. I think God's gonna do a recovery work in our lives, in your hearts. He's gonna bring back things you thought were lost. You thought they, they died in 2020, but they didn't because God resurrects things. So um, let's just spend some time. You can take whatever time you need to write on the card. When you want to, you can come and just bring it forward. Um, I know that many of you will want to kneel. You can just spend some time kneeling. This year, uh, lost things are going to be found. In Jesus' name, amen.